This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mug Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the chest. <laughs> Coronavirus self isolation podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Chest, the lockdown sessions. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host once again as the lockdown continues and the football doesn't. I'll introduce you to the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Right, with me this week, it's the return of DR Kernaz. Hello, DR. Hello. Hello. And we also have Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hello. Right, let's have a little chat about how things are going. Um, And I think... Everyone wants to catch up on what DR's been up to over the last few weeks. Now, you weren't with us because um, you were doing some some uni work, weren't you, and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but nothing special. I mean, I've been, yeah, for the last couple of weeks. Now I'm done with uni work. It's I, uh, Today's the only day I'm relaxing, really. I've still been busy. I've just been occupying myself with different other stuff. But, yeah, it's just uh, next week, though, um, I'm trying to put up more content for the Back of the Nest YouTube channel. So if you've got any ideas, um, DM us on Back of the Nest. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, you can do BR's work for him. Just message us. No, what do you mean BR's work? It, it is work, you know, of a kind, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's ideas only. If you've got any ideas that you want to see, yay. But yeah, that's it. I've, I haven't really been doing much in all honesty. But next week, hopefully, I will be. So you've been on the show a bit in your absence. For example, we heard about the spider bee, didn't we? Um, Did you get the spider bee out of your house in the end? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So basically, my mum was in a garden at the time. And then afterwards, I told her about this. I told her, be careful whilst opening the door because it was at the door. And yeah, we managed to get out out the garden itself, um, grabbed it and then threw it out. But that was was a long time ago. Haven't I not been on? since then uh, no we played yeah. your spider bee uh video well the audio from it obviously it's it's the biggest whatever thing you want to call it that i've seen in 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 my life like when i opened the door i just woke up and i went down 
stairs to go and get water and I see that I just close the door and walk back out I've never seen anything as crazy as that but yeah I mean other than that there hasn't been nothing else that's been really crazy apart from of course the virus yeah um, I mean, what I want to call it is uh, is an orange tail bumblebee. That's what I want to call it. Yeah, you said on about you going on about its legs. It had it had the regulation six legs. It wasn't. I don't know what you were seeing. I really don't. Anyway, let's put that behind <laughs> us. Uh, Patrick, um, how's how's things over in New York? Because obviously that has been an, an epicenter, if you like, of of the COVID crisis. What's that been like for you? Yeah, it's been rough. Um, don't want to get political, but we have a awful uh, leader of the country so luckily the governor of new york is doing a great job of keeping people informed telling us what to do he's you know he's closed down pretty much everything he called it uh, new york pause and we've we're going to slowly start reopening stuff so it's been rough i mean i'm as you may or may not know i'm a school teacher and i teach mathematics which is difficult to teach in front of the children impossible to teach remotely <laughs> via computer it's really difficult so it's been an interesting transition um wife's home working so it's my daughter so you know everyone's home no one leaves the house really my wife has a condition where if I you know if I was to get it she she would be in trouble she's diabetic I guess like you are Chris so I don't want to I don't travel outside too much um but besides that I try to keep things basically normal uh in a very very strange time I told you uh I go shopping very infrequently and every time I go outside shopping things get more and more strange I went to the sh- shop the other day and there was like no barriers I went the next week later they had a barrier in front with a with a big plastic window went there again everybody had a mask and gloves on so it's it's surreal it really is and i'm just trying to get through without getting you know taking anything too much too hard it's just mentally it's been difficult as i'm sure you're yeah. yeah absolutely and, and you're right there's a lot of changes and every time i go out there's a lot of changes and you know i think i'm also getting more stupid because of the lack of human interaction i went into the, the 24-hour garage the other day I wanted to get some vape juice, even though I'm trying desperately to cut down on that. And I went to point at which vape juice I wanted, forgetting that there was a big plastic screen in front of me, and just basically punched the screen in front of the guy. And um, <laughs> that's quite quite embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, obviously, I, I assume you haven't tried injecting any kind of um, uh, domestos or anything like that. To um... See, exactly. See, even you guys know about that ridiculous comment that he made. That's my point. I mean, and 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 though we can laugh at it, I actually was. I watch the news every day. Obviously, in New York yesterday, they had thirty-three people rush to the hospital who actually tried to use disinfectant <laughs> to clear wow. coronavirus, and that's how ridiculous it's become. People actually listening to this person, the president of of this country, and doing things that are absolutely ridiculous. And that's why, the sooner this is over, the better it will be for everybody. Obviously. No, I mean obviously, and the other, I guess the other thing people might be trying is to go up, go outside in the sun, and then open their mouths and maybe look up at the sun to try and see if they can get some UV inside them. I don't think it works like that, but no, no, it doesn't. No, funny, it doesn't work at all, does it? <laughs> That's the funny thing about it. Not for the virus, but it works. It works in general. Like I, when I see the sun, it lifts my mood up. Like I do. Go yeah. I went out once uh, into my garden, not outside, uh, to my garden to get a little tan, and that day I felt amazing. But since then, I haven't really gone out to my garden for a time. But it's nice. It is nice. The sun is amazing for me. It works great. Yeah, and it's it's important to get vitamin D. I, I you know, I'm, it's, you know, you only really get it from sunlight. You only have to be out for like fifteen to twenty minutes to get your daily dose. And um, I've been terrible at that, and I think I'm suffering because of it. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, Take supplements. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll have to go to the shops and buy them, and I'll probably end up punching something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I had a, um, my mood's definitely up at the moment, partly because I've 
drunk my way through a whole bunch of cider, which is why I'm struggling to speak and think. But also um, had a lovely chat on Zoom with um, some some of my old football lot, with people I always used to go to games with. Um, Lucy White, formerly of this show, um, plus a whole bunch of others who I won't, won't go through all the names, but it was lovely to see them all. First time I'd done a, a major sort of multiple people chat on Zoom. And it was, you know, at the start, it was almost quite awkward because you don't really know. You sort of all organised to go on this chat. And it's like, it's based on a WhatsApp chat we have called Total Bollocks because that's all we ever talk. And just had you know, that initial couple of minutes where you, you know, we didn't really know what to say. And then one of the one of the guys in there, Steve, was basically joined the call and he was in his kitchen chopping vegetables. And we're like, why? Like everyone else is sitting down to have a conversation. And he's got us propped up in his kitchen as he's walking around chopping veg. And it just became more and more ridiculous because he was chopping peppers, but 40 minutes later, he's still chopping peppers. And we're like, mate, what? Sounds How like many peppers chicken. have you got? Have you? I asked him if he'd panicked by peppers because he was just frantically trying to chop and cook them all. But um, it was just, it was nice to have that little bit of light relief. And it's, uh, it's definitely lifted my mood. And um, nice to see uh, Lucy's daughter, Emily, as well, who uh, gave us all a wave, which was lovely. Yeah, I um, did a, a Zoom chat with some palace mates, my friend Will Block, about two weeks ago. Actually, it was like you, Chris. It's nice to have the interaction with people you haven't seen in a while. Uh, that was different. And as far as drinking goes, I actually bought three bottles of wine yesterday. It's wow. gone that bad. I'm buying wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trouble is, is when if you've got wine, and I find this, and I don't know if it says bad things about me, but once you've opened a bottle of wine, it's, you know, it's rude not to finish it. Absolutely. <laughs> and the trouble is, <laughs> if you open it, and it, I, I'm terrible for this, if you open it like early on, then, you know, and you have to finish it. And I, I drink at the same rate the whole time. So I would have done a bottle of wine probably, you know, if I'm not doing something like, like if I have a bottle of wine during the show, I usually hammer it within about 40 minutes. But, you know, that hour and a half or so, I would have got my way through this wine. And then you've got the rest of the day, and you're like, well, I may as well open another one because <laughs> I've started now. And then, you sort of wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, that's good. I've got no memory of the last five hours of last night. Um, good times. You don't have to deal with any of that, do you, DR, unless you drink too much mouthwash? Uh, yeah. No, we've got worse players. The mouthwash is therefore backup. I've always said this. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not a drinker. I don't drink wine. I don't, I don't have alcohol like that. So, so I don't, I don't know how it feels, but all I know is champagne sounds better than wine. And I don't know why you guys aren't on the champagne. <laughs> Did you? Uh, champagne's for special occasions like weddings you don't use that normally but you offer anything about like that wine can you can drink at any time and on any, on any occasion as like i don't get that it's like saying all right fanta's only for the for dinner but you can have sprite for any time like it's still drink <laughs> it's not like it's a food type <laughs> well it's a couple of things <laughs> i mean first of all i'm amazed you've compared fanta with champagne no, it is exactly. not. Um, <laughs> but also, it's—I mean—decent champagne is is very expensive. You can get a decent okay, bottle of wine. You can get a decent bottle of wine for, you know, anything from about six six to ten pounds. You can find a really nice bottle if you know where to look. But yep. you know, a bad bottle of wine is is the waste of everybody's time. But so you know, to have to drink champagne every day. And look, I promise you, Dr. Since you've said it, I'm not—I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to—I'm going to use some action. Next week, I'm going to drink only champagne, and I'll let you know how I get on. All right, 100%. You'll feel richer and smoother because that's how it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> what champagne would do? 
Rich and smoother. There is a small problem in that you get drunk a lot quicker because of the bubbles, but we'll see what happens. You know what I found also during this uh, lockdown is that I've been binge watching tons and tons of shows. So yesterday I put out like a little poll on Facebook to my friends. I saw I'd watch The Wire, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Narcos, Narcos Mexico, and Ozark. You know they all have in common the theme. Yes, drugs. Loads, <laughs> loads and loads of drugs. I could forget if it was me or if it was how society's become, but they're all very, they're excellent shows. Obviously, I would recommend every one of them, but they all have to, it's, that's so scary. They all have to do with narcotics. It's just very, very scary. How how good has this season of Better Call Saul been? Unbelievable. Brilliant. Yeah, and I didn't get into it. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm very late to both shows, both the Breaking Bad. You guys finally got me into it, and I absolutely loved it. But Better Call Saul, the whole backstory, it came in, it's been, Lalo, it's been absolutely fantastic, I have to admit. I cannot wait for season, I guess it's five, right, coming up? Uh, is it five or six? It's the last one, anyway. Right, the last one, kind of, yeah, but yeah. so yeah, it's been brilliant. I saw that season two, but have you guys got Disney Plus? No, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get Disney, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. No, I don't have that, why? Is uh, anything good on there worth watching? Yeah, yeah, it's good, and if you, if you like Marvel... Um, and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Like they've got all the Marvel, sh- uh, all the Marvel films on there, except for Spider Man, um, because of Sony. And they've got like new upcoming shows, and they've got everything. They've got everything. It's actually, it's actually very good. But even that, I haven't really watched them as much. I've been going on a Marvel stream, so I'm going through phase one to phase four. Sounds a little geeky, but apart from that, I haven't really watched <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah. So I've um, found I was struggling to watch stuff because I was just. Because it's every day is the same to a certain degree. I was finding I was losing that little bit of concentration, and I was listening to a, a podcast I like called uh, Ellis James and John Robbins. They've got a uh, show on Five Live now, but they used to be on XFM slash Radio X. Anyway, and someone wrote into them and said, oh, "A really good tip for you, actually. If you watch a foreign film with English subtitles, because you're watching and reading at the same time." you don't get distracted and look at your phone and you don't do anything else and you're much more able to get absorbed into it. And I watched a, um, I'm watching a show called Black Spot. I think the French technically translate as like Blank Zone or something like that, but it's, it's called Black Spot. Really, really good. And I'm just massively into it because, you know, I'm having to read. And if I take my eyes off it and like read my phone, I have to rewind. So um, I'm finding that makes things a lot easier. Hamba's a great point. Uh, Narcos and Narcos Mexico both have Spanish subtitles, obviously, because they're based in Colombia or stories in Colombia, Mexico. And I watched this, uh, this, there's a strange documentary on Netflix about Diego Maradona when he took over the, the football team Mexico in Sinaloa, which was the cartel's uh, drug base, and they all have subtitles. And you're right. Watching them, you have to focus on the screen because if you put your head down for a second, you're like, you have to be winded. So you're right. If you watch with the subtitles in a different language, you're much more concentrated. It does make it better uh, viewing. So you're right about that. I agree. Yeah. It also cuts down on your drinking because if you can't see the words, (laughs) (laughs) it's fairly pointless. All right. Before we crack on, um, just another little teaser for you. I mentioned it very briefly last week and I've got two of the competitors on the show today. So we're doing, um, if you've ever seen the show Taskmaster, it's absolutely brilliant. And because of this, I actually binge watched all nine series of it. Um, in the last, I'd say, eight days, I've watched all of them. Um, and that's a lot of episodes, about 80 episodes. But it's basically, if you haven't seen it, it's it's setting people tasks to do. You give them um, a task in, a certain, in certain words, and that's the only instructions they get. And you just allow people to be creative with it. So Patrick and DR and Albert are currently in the process of um, 
recording videos of the tasks that Mikey and I have set them. Um, so without going into any details, of course, any spoilers or anything like that, how are you finding it so far, gents? Um, the first task, um, it took me longer than it should, but I don't know. I'm not really that. I'm trying to be creative, but it's hard to be creative when you're just in your house in a way. I mean, it, I guess it could work the opposite way around, but it's just a task. I feel, I, I, you know, I'll make a confession here. I find them hard. I really do find them hard. And whoever's setting these tasks, <laughs> they need to lower down the expectation because how can I be creative and do all of that in my house? You just It's just about thinking a little bit outside the box, not being quite so literal with it. I can't give people clues. I wish I could. And the, the best thing you can do, and I know you've done this a bit, Patrick, watching videos of it on YouTube, is watch how the, the, the comedians that have to do it in the show, watch how differently they all approach the different tasks. And they can be really, really simple things, but uh, they can just, they do some quite insane things. Now, obviously we're not, able to provide you with with locations and materials and things like that. So it is very much based on stuff that you can do at home. But you just have to think a little bit outside the box. Pretty much, if you think, when in that in that wording of the task, we're saying to you, do this. When all Think of all the things we're not t- telling you that you can't do, if you know what I mean. Mm, anyway. Yeah, um, like DR, um, one of my biggest issues in life is creativity. I'm very pragmatic. I, if you give me a task to do, I can do it from from a to z but if you want me to get creative with it it won't be that way so my kids are are very out of the box thinking um as a teacher i like my kids to be that way but i'm not so it's difficult and that's why i had sent mikey a a thing about i haven't done the second third task because i didn't know basically how to do them but now you said that i'm going actually as i'm sitting here i just put on on youtube the the show so i'm gonna watch them rest of the day nothing else to do obviously and i'll try and get creative with those two. but it's just to me again i just cannot think of a way to do them that is so it's quote unquote creative but i'll do my best yeah and i don't want to give you too many pointers but you've you if you just study your own wording there you've kind of got given yourself an idea already but anyway i won't say any more i think it'll be really interesting i will i will judge it as taskmaster and uh, can have Mikey as my assistant. And if you know the dynamic of the show, that's quite amusing. We'll see how that goes. But we're looking forward to putting something together, putting that out just for general entertainment. And that'll be the sort of thing um, that we can, we'll can we do in terms of video content through this crisis. And DR is, as he said earlier, planning a lot more. If you can come up with the ideas. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I hope that'll be fun. I, you know, I dare say we'll probably try some some video pods and things like that as well. So uh, just a reminder to download the Pitch Sport Football app. Uh, just Google Pitch Sport Football. You'll find their website. Download that app and join us. Uh, no questions of the week from DR at the moment without any football, but they're still simulating the season. So you can carry out all the relevant activities on the app and, and just play around with it until the football starts again. As I say often, they are continuing to support us through this, which we're hugely appreciative of. Uh, they produce some great content in their own right as well. And we really appreciate it if you can support them too. If you jump on there, you've got an option to add people. My code on there is K-U-G-K-U-T. I don't suppose you guys know your codes off the top of your head? Nope. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, never mind. But um, yeah, jump on there and, uh, and join us. And as ever, if you want to get in touch with us, you can WhatsApp voice message us, us on 0203 575 1266. And if you search Back of the Nest on any of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, you'll find us. And similarly, you can email hi at backofthenest.com. And once again, I remind you, if you can go to your chosen podcast app, give us a review on there. Please give us five stars. 
as I say, don't matter really what you write. If you give us five stars, it helps spread the word of the show. More people find us. We get more interaction, and, and the whole thing feels so much more worthwhile. Not that it doesn't. It's uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great escape for us at the moment. Anyway, it's time to crack on with the show. Fintons. Mm. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So it's time for an update on team of the decade. So far, Julian Speroni is in goal. We have Joel Ward at right back. We have Patrick van Arnholt at left back. Centre-back pairing of Dan and Delaney. Johan Kabai is currently the only one in midfield. On the wings, we have, after last week, uh, a new entry. Well, it was two two at the same time. It was um, The options were Balassi and Zaha. Balassi and Townsend and Townsend and Zaha. And 90% of the vote, an absolute landslide, chose Balassi and Zaha. And you can kind of understand why. And we have Glenn Murray up top. So team of the decade shaping up nicely. Just a couple of spots left now. And, well, first of all, I don't think there's too much need to go into massive detail. But, guys, your reaction, of course, to Balassi and Zaha uh, being picked on, on the wings there. Not really another choice, was there? Well, Townsend and Zaha got 9%, which is surprising in all. I thought Balassi and Zaha would reach more of 95% of the votes. Um, but yeah, some people, I mean, clearly don't, maybe don't rate Balassi um, over what how he left the club. Maybe I'm not too sure. Maybe that went into the figures and that's why people wait for Townsend and Zaha. But yeah, for me, Balassi and Zaha in the day of the week, um, it was just incredible to watch them. But now football changed and I don't think it would work as great as it did back in the day. But yeah, when it did work, it was fun. I have to say, I, was, I saw um, Balassi post a, uh, a picture of him nutmegging someone in training. And I got very wistful about the fact he's, so, he's still quite young. And I was thinking, oh, could, we, could we get him back for, you know, he's likely to leave Everton maybe another, another season or two? I saw him in the Europa League. Um, he played against one of the Turkish clubs, Istanbul Başakşehir. I don't know if you remember that, Hambo. Um, we used to talk about that love sport. <laughs> he actually played against him in the Europa League. And he wasn't, I don't think, I don't. that injury, of course, impacted him massively. But I don't think if he came to the Premier League, can he continue? Maybe, maybe so. But maybe off the bench now. So I don't know if he'd be a regular starter for us, of course, because... When's the last time Balassi played for us? It's been, it feels like it's been years now since he's left the club and lots have changed since then. So I don't, I don't know if he would cause the same impact he did before. 2017, I think he left, right? When, um, after the, after the FA Cup final, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. a huge Zaha Balassi fan. I got no problem with Townsend, but just thinking back and again, you're not going to have a, 
a, a huge um, amount of games in the Premier League, but in the Championship, watching those two play together was absolutely it was fantastic. It just it was so much fun to watch a counter attack start on how the flicks and tricks and the you know just the it was just great watching them play. I mean, the Blassi crossed to Zaha for the goal against Brighton. I mean, come on, just for that alone, he belongs in the team. So yeah, I'm a big Blassi Zaha because I like that combination. I know you can forget him shoulder barging Bruno about oh, 30 God. or 40 Forget. feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's legendary. That should be a GIF. Yeah, it, I think it is. Yeah. Probably is. Wait, a GIF or GIF? It, it's, Don't know. It, Which one is it? Person, oh. The person who made created it says it's a GIF, but everyone says GIF, and it basically is now. Exactly. So um, next up is the, the centre attacking midfield, the kind of guy behind the striker, attacking midfielder kind of person. And we have quite a difficult one. It's uh, it's Jason Punchin versus Darren Ambrose. And uh, before I get your reaction on, and thoughts on that, gents, I want to go to Twitter first of all and go through a few reactions on there and I'll jump to Facebook as well. So the first comment we had from Nav was that didn't Ambrose play left of a three for us more, much more than CAM? It's not the point, Nav. <laughs> it's, the, it's the positions we have available to, to pe- for people to vote in. But you're right, he did play left of a three quite a lot. You're quite right there. But he also did play in behind the striker as well. And that's how people are voting him as a central attacking midfielder. So a certain Darren Ambrose got in touch as well, um, saying that he would have loved to play in the team that we've picked so far. And I would have to say, I would love to have have him play in the team. You can imagine Darren Ambrose behind Glenn Murray with Zaha Balassi either side of him. Goodbye and one other as yet undecided behind him as well. I think he'd absolutely thrive in that and um, would have been something I'd love to see. But um, So uh, also we had um, some comments in, well, someone's, talking about the last C- CDM spot saying Jed Nack has to play there. Well, we'll see what happens when people vote for that. Um, cannot be blank. Um, replied with, he's pushed the area between the voting buttons because he couldn't decide. Uh, Liam has got in touch saying, oh, I'd have one of those two wide dropped you and dropped Balassi personally. As much as I love him, Ambrose and Punch did far more for us. Um, uh, Dylan Chance got in touch saying that's a hard call. Both Ambrose and Punch and deserve a place. And Jez Griffith has said it's the hardest choice yet, and I completely agree with that. It is a tough one. Uh, Tim King has said hard, 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 but Ambrose pips it. Goal against Man United and the goals he scored helped Palace stay in the championship. Dale Martin, toughest one yet. Try and remember that pun- the punch we signed and not the punch towards the end. Certain Patrick O'Connor has put something in there, but I'll let you say your own comments later on. And Dave Hobbs has gone with a flat Ambrose there. So some great interaction. Thank you for that. And I'll start with you, Patrick, seeing as you were in the comments. What's your thoughts? Yeah, um, Jason Punchin for me, for some people, and you, someone just mentioned it before about the uh, last time, is such an underrated uh, person in our in our history. He he was so good for us. I get that towards the end of the season, people think about him, uh, how he tails off. But think about how he, how he was when he first came. He came to us on loan, was instrumental, keeping us up the first three seasons. Without punch, I think we go down. I don't think there's any doubt about it. The goals he scored were so huge, the Norwich goal. But just in general, just his play in general, his leadership. Um, I watched the uh, YouTube. He did an interview with Alex Howe, formerly of Palace. And the insight he gives, the way he talks about the leadership and how great the the team was and how he and Damo and Jodo were the leaders in the the clubhouse and how he kept the banter going. 
it was such an important part. And again, I was there. I keep saying, I keep saying it. I was there for the FA Cup final and handball was there. You were there too. And we scored that goal. Apparently now in the 78th minute, I looked up to the heavens and I honestly, I started to cry. I thought we could win the FA Cup. And it was on a, it's a moment I never forget. The ending was awful and it was terrible, but that goal by punching is iconic for me. Now I didn't see Ambrose's goal, obviously. I mean, it wasn't there for Ambrose's goal against United. That would have been as big for me, but punching was so great and just I'd hate to use stats I mean you look at stats punching played 133 times first goal 12 goals Ambrose 110 and scored 29 goals so you take Ambrose on the goals and again don't want to disparage Ambrose great player for us but he did it at a different level championship versus Premier League to me is a big difference but again the goal against United by Ambrose the, the one that kept us up Sheffield Wednesday was huge I remember the FA Cup semi-final the, the FA Cup goal sorry against Villa at home what a what a what a shot what a free kick so Ambrose has some great goals for us. But again, for the, for me, punch and he takes it. Not by a lot, but because he did it at a high level and I was such a huge punch and fan as a player as a person, I give it to Jason Punchin. Mm, okay. Well, I don't know, let's get Dio's views before I before I pile in. Um, how do you feel, Dio? I know you weren't always one to rate Punchin, but you know, and again, Ambrose probably oh, that's that's around the time when you really would have started getting massively into Palace, I guess. So what's your thoughts? Um, you know what? I'll still go with Punch, and this is the reason. I my ratings for Punching dropped in particular once he became captain for the club, just like Scott Dan did, because I don't understand what went wrong, but something just did, and it clearly impacted his performances. But before that, Patrick is hundred percent correct in terms of he was very, very important in terms of keeping us up when we when when he joined the club, and. For um, me as well, sometimes I forget that. And I remember the latter half where he became captain and he struggled. But for that alone, I'll have to give it to Punchin. And I think what Patrick, Patrick really summed up, I mean, they played in both both in, in their own ways. They played good, but Punchin, he done it in the Premier League. And I feel like the quality in both the leagues, Ambrose done it and where Punchin done it, it is, it is big. I mean, the championship is is competitive, but it's still not the Premier League and not the Premier League that it is today where it's so tactical and it's so hard to find the spaces to get the balls in. So I'll have to give it to Punch for that reason, even though I feel like when he became captain, he did drop off massively. So I'm going to state the, the case for Ambrose. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I wouldn't vote Punch. Um, I don't know if I've decided yet, but... So with Ambrose, I think, first of all, he was a massively talented player who probably, other than at Palace, didn't make the most of his talent. That move from Ipswich to Newcastle really should have seen him kick on and become an, you know, a, a very important top-level player. But he just never seemed to find the sort of perfect place, the perfect setup and the perfect position for him until he came to Palace. And, you know, Warnock in particular was very shrewd in how he used Darren Ambrose and in ensuring that he only ever had to do the things that he was good at. Um, we had enough of a team around him that, that would allow him to find the right spaces and make the right moves and make the right passes and, most importantly, get the shots away because... It's a phenomenal striker of a football. You, you know, there's not many that I've seen better than that, certainly at Palace. And I, I think, you know, those are the kind of variables that you can get caught up in. We talk about the level he was playing at. But, you know, you you, you wonder maybe 
would punch and have scored more goals if he was in a different setup. You always have to play, you know, <laughs> you play the, the cards you've been dealt, I suppose. But I actually think Darren Ambrose playing in a better team in the same role for Palace, I think he just would have gone on from strength to strength. I think what happened with the club and the way things sort of started to fall apart a little bit were, you know, kind of stopped him in his tracks. Um, I just, you know, you think about the technical ability that he had. And when I'm looking at that team of the decade and I'm looking at people who made the biggest impact, it's absolutely right to talk about the fact that it's almost an impossible choice between those two because in their own way, they both made massive impacts on the history of this football club. But I have to say, for me, Darren Ambrose was the much more exciting player. You know, he was the, the player that could just pull off the moment of magic that you'll be, you'll remember the rest of your life and you'll talk about the rest of your life. And I get that you've said one, Patrick, with 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 Punch, and it's not his fault that obviously that ended in in a bad way. But you know, I don't think anything will ever feel quite like the the goal that Ambrose scored at Old Trafford from from the vantage point of being in Old Trafford right behind it and watching it accelerate into the back of the net. Um, it, it was just a truly astonishing moment. And I think I feel like Ambrose gave me more of those than, than Punch did, um, albeit in different circumstances. So I, I think personally, I'll probably edge towards Ambrose, but that's no disrespect to Jason Punch at all. No, you make a great point. I will add, though, obviously, and this is going to sound a bit weird, I guess, but without the Ambrose goal, the Punch and stuff probably never happened. So you know, our history has changed. So from that standpoint, again, I still stay with Punch, but I definitely get what you're talking about with that. Well, get your votes in as well. Uh, check out our socials for the uh, for ways to vote. And um, yeah, so far, I know the vote is very, very tight indeed. I think Ambrose is shading it. But uh, have a think and get your votes in as well. And we'll um, obviously revisit it next week and see who is victorious. So away from that, um, Patrick, we've all been doing this and it's your time. It's um, going to be a tough one because you've been watching Palace longer than any other living human being, I believe. So, <laughs> so you are now. Well, it's time for you to choose your all-time Palace eleven. Great, thanks, Chris. So I'll I'll give you the team, but you know, certain ones I make comments on. Some are going to be pretty self-explanatory. So I've gone with a four-four-two. Um, I'm going to name my manager up front for us, Stevie Koppel. I don't think anybody's done a manager, have they? But I'll, leave, I'll name him as my manager, just slightly over Terry Venables. So my goalie is going to be Julian Spironi. Now, that was a tough for me because I actually think that, in my heart of hearts, I think Nigel Martin was a bit more of a favourite for me. You know, the things he did, FA Cup final, uh, Zenith Theta Cup a winner, third place in the league, and he was brilliant. But what happens is, as... As, as I got a little older, I got more nostalgic and I started to really, Julian started to really grow on me, as it were. And um, I was lucky enough uh, on the Tour of America, he was uh, sat in the stands against uh, Richmond's kickers. And I sat next to him and I spoke to him for half an hour. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, forget football wise, just a gentleman, beautiful person. It was so great to talk to him, you know, as a, as a player supporter. It was nice. Every fan that came up to him, did autographs, did the whole thing. And I just, from that day on, he became my favorite goalkeeper. Forget everything else, but you know the the, the goals against the saves against Brighton and saves against Watford aside, he's I brilliant. So for my for me, it was my goal is uh, Julius Baroni. I'm going to four four two. My four. Uh, so I've got a right back to Nathaniel Klein. Now a caveat: I'm going to say he just edges over a schoolmate of mine named Gary Stebbing. 
Now you guys may know Gary Stebbing was. I, I he played for my school team at Davidson when I was when I was young. Uh, was a Palace youth international uh, youth player. Sorry, um, took a lot of stick from the Palace fans in the early eighties because they expected more out of him. He was when I played with him, he was a central midfielder, was brilliant. But for Palace, he played kind of all over the place. Midfield right uh, right back was one of them. But of course, Klein, he was a was was exceptional. Has to be our right back. Left backs Kenny Sansom. Um, in my life, I've only had four players I've really idolized, and I'll name them later on. But Kenny Sansom was the first player, second player I ever idolized. Um, for my schools, I played left back. Uh, way it works in England, you play if you're left foot, you play left back, left half, then left wing. I progressed up the wing. So when I was a, when I was young, Kenny Sansom, I saw him playing a youth team, come up through Palace, and he was brilliant to see him live. And again, I saw him from a youth team up to fall into England International Palace. He was absolutely a brilliant player. Probably the best left-back we've ever had. So I'd take Kenny Sanson at left-back. Um, my centre-halves will be Mamasako, I think. Takes a lot of stick from Palace fans. I think he's brilliant. And then I'd go with Eric Ninja Young. I loved his whole attitude. Part of one of our better our better teams in the 90s. And uh, they came from uh, Wimbledon. I don't hold that against him. Uh, so that's my back four. Klein, Sansom, Sacco, and Eric Young. Midfield two. Difficult again for me. I've gone with Mile Jedinak as one of my uh, midfielders. Loved uh, Je- Jedi. Uh, leader. Uh, great penalty kick taker, free kick taker. Brilliant leader. Loved the way he led the team. Loved what he did for Palace. Uh, brought us up, kept us up. Great player. Uh, he edged it just over Jeff Thomas. I love Jeff Thomas. Loved that team in the 90s. But for me, Mille just takes it. Uh, and my creative midfielder, as the aforementioned Jason Punchin. Um no need to go on with that. I just mentioned that I love punch. My uh, wingers, I'll call them. Uh, on the right side, I've got Yannick Balassi. Um, and on the left side, I've got Wilfried Zaha. We talked about that before. I'm not going to go into it, you know, the reasons why. Zaha's the last player of the four that I've idolized. Um, I love Wilfried. Came to the academy. Great player. Unfortunately, Vince Hilaire, who I watch play, doesn't make the team. That's going to make one Nick Gussett quite upset. And I... It, it really upsets me not to pick him because of the tightness of the, of the 11. Uh, growing up uh, in England, you know, you guys know the history. There weren't a lot of black players in, in, in the 70s. And Vince Allaire was the first black player who was brilliant for Palace. I mean, I grew up with people watching players like Laurie Cunningham at West Brom. And to see a black player come through was brilliant. And I love Vince Allaire. Very, very skillful. Absolutely loved him. But um, unfortunately, doesn't make my team, and I'm, I'm upset not picking him. It's not because I don't love him, but just the fact that, again, I had to get Yannick and, and Yala in the team. So I have two more spots left. Um, one of my strikers, Ian Wright, the third player that I idolized as a, as a player. When he went to Arsenal, I was absolutely devastated. Devastated. I mean, when Sansom got sold, I was devastated. The only two players I've ever got upset about getting sold were Kenny Sansom and Ian Wright, both to the same team. Ian Wright was brilliant. Loved the right bright combination. Scored great goals. I love his story. Come from non-league, you know, coming on a contract, getting, just getting his meals and travel paid for, you know, working with the team, getting bullied by Jim Cannon, but overcoming stuff like that. And it's an absolutely brilliant story to go from non-league to international and, you know, play, score many goals for Palace. And obviously the Arsenal thing is not a Palace thing, but, you know, all-time Arsenal scorer. Absolutely love Ian Wright. So he's my one of my strikers. And my other striker, my final player is going to be Don Rogers. He was the second player I've ever idolised. Actually, the first before Sansom. Uh, during the 70s, early 70s, I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old going to Palace. My brother was a, was a ball boy and uh, he was absolutely brilliant player. But you've never seen him play. I really tell you guys, go on YouTube or even go to the Palace website. There's a game against May United, this famous 5-0 game, where he was absolutely, I was at that game, absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, if you don't know his story, he came from Swindon Town, won FA Cup with, or League Cup with Swindon Town in early day, early years. Uh, came to Palace, wasn't the best Palace side. We, we, you know, we were in first division back then, but we were very struggling, just staying up type of team. And he was the best player on the team. Uh, I wouldn't call him a striker so much more as a forward to play on the out on the wings, play inside. Great player. Uh, absolutely loved watching him play as a kid. He was absolutely brilliant. And then from him uh, came Peter Taylor, player also doesn't make my team, but was also a brilliant player. Um, but that's my levels. I've got Spironi, Klein, Sansom, Sacco, Young, Jedinak, Balassi, Punchin, Wright, Zaha, and Don Rogers. Um, again, lovely favorite favorite team. Strong team. Um, I mean, Rogers. We, I mean, back in the very very early days of Homestar Radio, we actually interviewed him. Um, I remember that. On interview, phone, yeah. On, yeah, on the phone from his sports shop in Swindon. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing guy, and. Um, I think, you know, you talk about that Man United game. It's on the Centenary DVD. There's some quite significant highlights of it. And, you know, that that was the first time I'd seen him play when, when I watched that DVD. And, you know, even though you're only seeing small excerpts of it, it's astonishing. It was, you know, he's really one of those ball stuck to the foot kind of players. Yeah. Very sort of languid style. Didn't actually look like he was running at pace. But then you're sort of watching everyone struggling to keep up with him. And you're thinking, hold on. <laughs> It's um, it's it's you know, it's kind of quite a, a juxtaposition to even watch him run with a ball. But you know, you could just see straight away. You don't get many players like that, and who it, the ball is just an extension of them. They're just completely at home with with that football, and can make it do whatever they want. You, you know, he reminded me of. I think it's probably because of the shirt untucked and the way he ran. But he reminded me of Chris Waddle. Um, even though obviously Waddle came well after, it was that kind of style. Um, but yeah, great player and fantastic moustache, of course. You know what this shows? Um, the left back position, um, Kenny Sampson. It shows that well, we we've seen it in a while with the other Palace elevens as well. But the left back position hasn't been our strongest attribute over the last couple of years. I mean, when I say last couple of years, for a long time in terms of a dominant left back. But in terms of Kenny, Sam- uh, Kenny um, Sampson, um, Patrick, how would you describe him as a player? Would you relate him to like in terms of style? Would you? Uh, compare him to any of our most recent left backs? It's a great question. It's difficult because he was a very good defender. And we're talking about now DR in the 70s when fullbacks didn't really attack. But Kenny actually was very good at getting down the left side and crossing balls. Didn't score any goals. I think Kenny might have scored two, three goals his whole entire career at Palace. But he was very good at getting down the wing, getting crosses in. But then you have to remember back then you're playing with pure left wingers or wingers, so he didn't have to get forward that much. But he got forward well. And I, I, it's hard for me to compare. Uh, again, he was a good defensive left-footed uh, left-back. Um, I, I would say Ashley Cole, but that wouldn't even be fair because Ashley Cole was quicker and, you know, a you know, better striker of the ball. But he's hard to define. As far as a Palace left-back, there is, there is no comparison. You're right. We haven't had a pure left-footed defensive but could get forward player probably in our history. He's, that's why he's by far the best left-wing I've ever, left fullback I've ever seen for Palace. So one other thing I wanted to pick out from your your squad, I was very interested to hear you pick Jedinak over Thomas, that that was your consideration. I mean, I picked Thomas, um, but I, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't even really considered putting Jedi in my all-time eleven at all. And that's not to disrespect how important he was for us, but, you know, I mean, I, I am going to be in the minority in this in that I think Luke is a better player. Um, but I think, you know, he, he, I suppose it's because... I feel he was so important to us at a really critical time. 
that I feel people might be slightly overstating his footballing ability. Um, that sounds like a horrible thing to say because he was a great footballer as well. But do you see what I mean? Um, I, I, I'm surprised at that choice from you. Um, and I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that decision. Yeah, um, Jeff Thomas was a huge part of that Palace side. But in that Palace side, I thought there were so many... Well, I shouldn't say sorry. I thought Andy Gray was as as important to that team as um, Jeff Thomas was. Um, I, Wright Bright were very important, obviously, and, and Nigel Martin. So, so I'm not I'm not putting down what he did. I thought Thomas was a tremendous player and a great leader. But when I think back to what Jednak did, I thought Jednak was so important to us. When Jednak came to our team, we just if you guys you guys remember, I mean, we got Yannick that same season, and he took a while to 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 kind of settle in. But once he settled in. He was so big for us that promotion year, and then even even that that first year, first those first two years in the Premier League, he wasn't as important let's say as Punch let's say. But I just thought his again not his ability on the field per se, but this is definitely just a a favorite thing. His his leadership for me on and off the field, I think, kept us together. You have to remember also we went through so many managers. What was a constant each time? The captain. All right, I mean Millen was a big part of it too. But I always thought that when we would change managers and. Uh, Damo was obviously poor a bit. You talk about uh, Rambo, but there, I, I always thought Jenek was was so big in the background because you can't get into that. But I remember I, I go back to the interview that I saw Punch do with Alex Howell. He talked about um, you know the background and how important uh, the leadership was and when all the head was changed. And I think that Jenek was a really big part of that. And football ability wise, no, Jeff Thomas is much better than than Jedi. I can't even, and, and Luke is much better. But I just think there's there's an intangible in football you need to have. And in my eleven, though I've got a lot of you know really good players and great leaders. I think that in the, one Jedi would, would captain my team of that eleven. And not only that, I just think that that intangible that you need to have in a football team, he brings. That's why I picked him. But the thing is, I don't think you need what Jedi brings right now to, you know, what Jedi brought to the table right now in, in the current era that we're playing in. I just feel like football has changed so much that it seems like you don't need that one leader. Of course, there's good. it's good to have vocal people in the dressing room, but I feel like at clubs, like, even when you're looking at Palace, you can see that there, there's not one person who stands up, but yes, Luca is meant to be the leader, but there's groups. Like you look at Zaha, Sacco, they're all part of a group. I feel like they're small groups and, we've moved on from the stage of having one particular leader and that's been the captain to people forming their own groups and clubs and they're the vocal ones. And that's why I don't think Jedi would be as influential as it did back in the day if he was to play in the current era. But again, remember this called this is, I believe it's called your favourite 11, not yeah. anything else. So as far as the favourite goes, he's, I totally get what you're saying. But for me... Even I, my point was that his leadership, but I just think that's why he favored for me was because of his leadership. Yeah. I don't look always just at ability. I look at other things. And for me, he's a favorite of mine all time because of the fact that I just love his, 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 his qualities off the field. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about his, um, you know, his influence behind the scenes, you know, the kind of intangibles, because as we know, that's exactly why Alan Pardew got rid of him. So, um, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have another personality of the club that was uh, was was seen in such a, a high esteem. So there we go. Okay. So in the news this week, Palace claimed to be well to stake a claim uh, to be the oldest professional football club in the world, and some very very interesting ev- evidence. Some in- fascinating research. Um, obviously, what we're not going to do is repeat everything that's in the the club documentary. Um, that's been put together so give that a watch if you haven't done so already 
but some just want to get some reaction on that um, from the guys. So obviously, the the general story is that the original Crystal Palace Football Club, which most people are aware of as a as a you know an, a club that was formed at the old Crystal Palace from the from the workers there, which has seemingly been discredited to a point now. Um, and the idea was that that club ceased to exist because it didn't play any games between, oh, I'm trying to remember the dates now, but it didn't play any games for about 20 odd years or something like that until 1905 when the new Crystal Palace Football Club was formed. But the key evidence that sort of came out of it was that the Crystal Palace company um, was the owner of the original club and a an owner of the new club. And the fact remains that as an amateur club, the club wasn't actually obliged to play any fixtures in that dormant period. So the, that's essentially a very quick summary of the reasoning behind being the oldest football club, professional football club in the world. And some interesting reaction to Palace putting that out, particularly on social media, where you had Notts County fans spoiling for a fight and lots of people misunderstanding and saying it's Sheffield FC, who are not a professional club. But um, in general, a very, very interesting um, thing. And, um, you know, start with you, Dio. What's your reaction to it? So you're telling me we've had a head start and we've still got this amount of trophies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. what you're telling me. <laughs> so we're, yeah, we've, we're one of the founders and we still managed to bottle it. It's so typical We've made ourselves more unsuccessful by saying this, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think we should ignore this. We should just stick with a 1905 because you're, I don't, you know, it's, it sounds it sounds good, of course, when looking at history books. Oh, look, we're, we're one of the founders. But, you know, honestly, personally, I don't care. I mean, without it sounding harsh, does it really matter if we're one of the founders if we haven't got the success to show up for it? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't really bother me in that aspect. Of course, for some people, they could see this as, "Wow, we're one of the first professional clubs to play." But then you have to look at outside of the world. I mean, Germany. I think there's a club called um, 1860 or something. Uh, yeah, but they were formed in 1899. So yeah, it's it, it's all confusing. It, it, yeah, it is the oldest. 1861 would make Palace the oldest professional football club in the whole world. You know, it's it's a pre- prestige thing. It's a status thing. It's kind of like you know. It's what Notts County have dined out on for years. So no one cares. No one cares. I don't care about Notts County being the oldest club. Like that doesn't. I don't care. That doesn't change the fact that they're still awful. Like no one cares. I honestly, I, I, of course, there's <laughs> going to be historians like that. Like you, I'll count you as a historian in, a, in the aspect of Thanks, football <laughs> that you do care. But in reality, when football starts again, and when you think about Notts County, no one cares that you're the oldest club. No one does. Like I only want to say, no one's going to care that Palace is the oldest clubs. And you saw the reaction. Some people were in the same boat as me, saying, "Okay, nice, let's move on." Like I don't think it matters as much. As as Mikey has put in the comments, it's it's an incredible marketing tool as well. And um, obviously, that that's part of the motiva- motivation for bringing this to people's attention. And um, you know, being able to state that it's you know when you think about going out and doing commercial deals and talking about how famous your football club is. And being able to say not just oh we won the Zenith Data Systems Cup in 1992, um, <laughs> um, actually what we did what we are is the the oldest football club in the world. Patrick, got to get your views, um, you know, from back in the day. 
<laughs> I'm, I, was slightly, I was slightly suggesting that you were around. No, in exactly. Yeah, no, this is true, Patrick. <laughs> I just, I just missed out actually being. Around. Oh. <laughs> but on a serious note, I've got it. You know, as Mikey said, it's a marketing thing, but I have to give credit to him. Did this? I mean, to go back and do this. I thought the gruesome thing, going into that museum and looking at the book, and then having to like, you know, turn the pages very quickly while the guy we showed looking at him was pretty funny. But I don't know how this is news. Because I'll tell you why. Um, I have a book called Football Ground, A Fan's Guide to Football Grounds, England and Wales. It was uh, printed in 2006. And it says the last thing, did you know? Palace wearing red, blue and white at the time were a working men's team founded by employees of the Crystal Palace in 1861. So we've known this for a while. So why all of a sudden is it news like now during the pandemic? Because again, apparently it wasn't, that's not new, new, because again, this book, which is 14 years old, has it as a did you know? So it was somebody knew about this. Why would they bring it up now? But like you said, as Mikey said, for your marketing, but I think it's I think it's great that people are arguing about it or thinking about it or talking about it because again, like the uh, the fact we haven't won since eighteen sixty one is the best part. But again, whatever it is, I have no problem with it. Whether we it's the, true or not, I think it's just great having it out there. The interesting thing, if you go, I think it's I think it's actually on the FA website when they're talking about founder members of the league and all that sort of stuff. Right. They actually mention Crystal Palace in it. Okay. And then they go and they go on to say, and this is how you can. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, to be honest, because they say, and that football club has no relation, bears no relation to the uh, Crystal Palace Football Club currently playing in the Championship. Ouch! You're like, Come on, guys. You didn't update it, did they? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that is not right. Lack but, of respect, all. Of but that's that's kind of the whole point. There's this whole thing of there is no relation between the two. And that's the new research has proven that there was a relation between the amateur football club, despite it not playing for a, an extended period of time. They were at the you know the Crystal Palace company set up was a majority shareholder. I think they showed in in the uh, in the documents of about seventeen hundred shares or wherever it was. They were the majority shareholder in the new nineteen oh five football club. So there's a continuation, and therefore it's all one club. That's the argument. But so what? Isn't it our 160? I saw something like 160th birthday or something this year. Um, this year. Next year it'll be 70, wouldn't it? 170. I don't know. I'm not good at maths. I just saw 160. Um, I think yeah. it was in one of the articles or one of the comments. I mean, we've we've missed our 150th, which is devastating, obviously, isn't it? And now the centenary DVD is a lie. Uh, the centenary shirt I have is a lie. <laughs> everything, everything is a lie. Yeah, the whole extension of the club is a lie. 1905 <laughs> is a lie. Alice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we celebrate our 170th birthday next year. Yeah. And our best trophy is playoffs or Zenit Data Cup. trying to count. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, that will do, won't it? <laughs> on that, uh, also on the Palace um, app slash website this um, this week, Peter Ramage, uh, old favourite of ours, was interviewed. Um, some fantastic memories to go through there. Obviously, again, it's something that I'm directing you to look at on the Palace website or app, rather than me tell you everything that was in there. But there were some f- a few things on there um, that I really wanted to pick out. Um, one of the things on there, you know, one of our previous interviews must have interviewed ramage about i mean four or five times maybe and he told us that's the story of um being out all night celebrating the playoff final and ended up some weird breakfast place at six in the morning he talks about on that Um, but he also talked about a few other things in there as well so he he praised neil warnock 
saying that Warnock, more than any other manager he had, stood out in terms of his care of the players. Um, he talked about the fact, um, it re- reminded me the fact that he joined us from QPR on loan initially and had to go back and mentioned to, to you, Patrick, pre-show, that that's when we brought in Paul McShane, who had not long prior to that scored a winner at Sellers for Brighton against us in a 1-0 victory. Um, and it just made made me remember that McShane played for us and was actually half decent as well. A short amount of time, I think he played what about eight nine matches for us. He wasn't yeah. terrible, but you're right. The only thing I remember about McShane is that he scored against us, so don't like him. Yeah, exactly. Out of order that was. Um, but yeah, he had a massive argument with with uh, Mark Hughes because he ended the Palace loan. We couldn't get him back. He ended up going to Birmingham when we got McShane. Uh, Praise Sam Allardyce said he was a good man manager. Uh, talked about getting into a massive argument with Ian Holloway um, over being dropped, and um, and also his this was his phrase when talking about the uh, dressing room excrement incident at the at the Amex ahead of the playoff semi final. I've been in some pubs, but this smell was incredible. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that, and, and I just thought I'd include that sentence in there. Uh, for Mike Scott, who's not with us this week, uh, <laughs> but he always likes it when we talk around about that kind of subject, doesn't he? So, um, but just some general memories of, of old Peter Ramage playing for us. Of course, he's in the states now as assistant manager of Phoenix Rising, isn't he, Patrick? Yeah, he's on um, on the West Coast. Um, big fan of Rambo. I liked him. I just I, any player who, when your teammates crying. You after you winning promotion grabs you and hugs you. It's got to be the teammate of the year. So what he did with Damo that time was brilliant. I, I I just I just always had respect for Rambo. I mean he didn't play a tremendous amount for us, but whenever he did, he put in a shift. He could play anywhere. He was one of those guys in the in the in the in you knew had to be a great teammate. And I I, I loved him. So again, I I I have no issue with Rambo. I, I liked him a lot, and I wish him good luck over here. I know he wants to be a, a manager at some point. So good luck to him over here. The fact that he's a massive Newcastle fan and the constant Palace connections, I, I respect him for that just alone. I mean, you, if you read the article, you can see that he, he tried to force his way to Palace uh, many times. And even to this day right now, Palace fans still have a connection with Rambo. It's one of them ones where you don't even have to think about football abilities. It's just a connection outside of the club between uh, both sets of the fans and Rambo himself. I think he's a top man. We've talked to him here before and yeah, um, it was a good article to look at. It's funny how he's had so many connections with future Palace managers, etc. before it even happened. Um, and it's good insight. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, he's one of those players who, I mean, we saw him, I can't remember who was there with us, but we were doing a bit of radio stuff at Sellers Park for a youth game. And um, yeah, he just, you know, he was sitting there watching it all, you know, and, that sort of player that takes, you know, there's a few, you don't get loads of them. You know, think about people like Dougie and Clinton while they were playing, you would go and watch the youth teams all the time as well and just show that level of interest, understand how they're viewed at the club and just try and give that bit back to the players coming through, you know, and he was extremely generous with his time that day as well. Top fella. And um, yeah, as, as you say, Patrick, hope he gets a lot of success. Uh, it's been about three and a half years. I think it is out there now. And um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, it's not that, it's, it's been a while since we've chatted to him, so maybe we'll have a chat with him again soon. Um, but yeah, top chap. And also, you wanted to mention something about us, uh, next manager, Patrick? Yeah, and he's made a statement today, which is perfect timing. So Adam Pardew uh, is a manager currently at ADO Den Haag in uh, Holland, and they've cancelled their season. So 
he actually won one game there and they were second from the bottom, but because of the season was cancelled, there's no promotional relegation. So here's his um, quote from today. When I signed for ADO, there was a bonus clause in my contract for avoiding relegation. However, the figure is not the one being reported by the press. These clauses are standard practice in the majority of managers' contracts around the world. It's my understanding that this clause would only be activated if we had finished the season that ADO had avoided relegation. However, on a technicality issue with regarding to the way the Dutch season ended, I was informed ADO intended to pay the bonus. I immediately contacted the club and told them not to pay me the money and to either give it to the non-playing staff at the club or donate it to Holland's Health Service to help in their efforts to beat COVID-19. I hope this clears up any misunderstandings caused by the press reports. The thoughts and prayers of myself and my family are with everyone around the world who has suffered or are suffering from this terrible virus. So that came out today. So listen, you know me and, and, and Mr. Pardew, not a huge fan, but I have to give him credit for not keeping him up because he didn't keep him up, by the way. <laughs> he did not keep them up. And this isn't finished, they were going down. But I give him credit for this is a he's right about that being a clause and the fact he's given the money for a good cause or non playing stuff is brilliant. So hopefully, you know, I shouldn't say stick for that, it's not his fault. But again, Pardew, as always, making news. Yeah, he likes he likes making news, doesn't he? Like, I mean, I don't have any major animosity towards him, to be honest with you. I've I've never hated him. I was glad when he went. Um um, and I, I suppose when he's not our manager, I can look at him and laugh at the way he is and the things that he does. Um, but you can kind of just see what a, that's an incredible victory for him, <laughs> being able to. Yeah, yeah, I went there. All I had to do was uh, was keep him up, and I did it. Yeah, yeah, fulfilled my brief. The game he won was his first game in charge as well, wasn't it? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Everyone hated him. They had that weird TIFO of him and Chris Powell, I think it was. Oh, dear. Anyway, bizarre. What, so, just to say, again, I, I, I respect him as a player for Palace. The goal, obviously, in the uh, semi-finals Liverpool. But as a manager, he just drove me crazy. <laughs> it was, and again, I definitely think it goes back to his, he has a massive ego. I knew that when he was at Newcastle. And knew when he came here, but and, and I loved the beginning part. Obviously, we were whatever top five, but that run after that was so horrendous. And I'm telling you, I, you know, I got on the ghost again. But the FA Cup final, I thought he mismanaged that game. I really did. I thought you, I think if everybody knew we to do one thing in that game was stop Wayne Rooney. And what did we do? Not stop Wayne Rooney. And it wasn't for him. We're up one nil. He couldn't. He couldn't see out twelve bloody minutes. So <laughs> that really, that's what gets me with him. It's not, it's not, it was that. he could, If he's so seen at that 12 minutes, are you kidding me? He'd have been the greatest manager ever. And I wouldn't, never, but that 12 minutes that he couldn't, and then extra time up a man, we couldn't score a bloody goal. I mean, oh my God. Can we go? All right, why don't they pick it up? That's my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't look at WhatsApp, Mike. He might have just sent you a, 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 a GIF slash GIF that you don't want to see. Um, what's it, what's, I'm just thinking now, can you imagine Pardew and Roy Hodgson working together? I would honestly think they'll throw a punch at the at the at the at the bench area because that would be crazy because they're both stubborn in their own little ways. I mean, Roy Hodgson's stubbornness does work at the end. I mean, we do get the points, we do stay up, but that would be very crazy to think of. I was just thinking about that right now. Hmm. Anyways, all right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. 
Uh, we usually have a little bit of a general chat about stuff. We did a fair amount of that at the beginning, and we've gone on about football a lot longer than I anticipated. So instead of going on any further than that, uh, let's take a little break and go for the quiz. Well, it's that time of the week again, and it's once again Sam who's going to take us through the quiz of the week. Over to you, Sam. Following on from the success of the movie quiz last week, um, we are looking at Back of the Nest gets a history lesson this week. So in a week where Crystal Palace claimed to be the oldest um, official club, I thought history seemed like a good theme. Are you ready for these questions? I've never been more ready. I mean, yeah. I I don't think so, but let's go. (laughs) I'm not ready, but go anyway. Good. Okay. Question one. Research released this week has suggested that the first Crystal Palace football team was established earlier than 1905, as previously thought. In what year did they play their first game? 1857, 1861, 1862 or 1864? I've answered it. Hmm. What? Oh my word. That is a lie. Uh-huh. That is a lie. But the question was... Oh my God. Yes, so there's a whilst, trick, whilst trick the club question. was established in 1861, they didn't play their first game until March of 1862. And in typical Palace fashion, it was a 1-0 loss to Forest FC. Can I just say that, that it the rest was fairly of the question came critical out. Yeah. that the second half of the question, yeah, yeah it didn't come out. So Can I also I, just I, say... I, I've got a headache, and this is not going to help it any better. Let's just hope the rest of the questions are there. Can I just say, your name should be Trickmaster, <laughs> I know, I'm horrible to everybody. I'm sorry. Next question. Right. Why was the 1861 Crystal Palace Football Club established in the first place? A, cricketers of the time played football to keep fit during the winter months. B, Joseph Paxton, architect of Crystal Palace, included the football pitch in his designs at the request of Samuel Lang, who part-funded the project. The Factory Act, which stated all work must stop at 2pm on a Saturday afternoon, led to the church establishing the club as a way of occupying the free time of young male workers to stop them drinking. Or D, gambling was popular amongst the Victorian upper classes, but sporting events were lacking due to during the winter. Football clubs, including Crystal Palace, were established to provide gambling opportunities for the colder months. Well, let's have a look at what the answer is, because I have a, if it's what I think it is, then I have a okay. comment to make. It, I can't get this one wrong, because I'm pretty sure this name, up, came up, this name came up in an article. So if I get this wrong, then... Oh, God. Time for the answer. Why isn't it? Hooray! Okay. <laughs> yes, get in. Dion, did you get that wrong? Yes, I thought it was Joseph. I swear Joseph I saw Paxton. that name somewhere. Yeah, he is the architect of the Crystal name. Palace. Oh. Sam, my, my comment was this, that the shortest answer being the correct answer, that cricketers of the time played football to keep fit during the winter months. <laughs> you then went rambling on and on and on with these elaborate answers that you'd come up with. I mean, what that, I mean, come on. That is effectively a waste of all of our time. This is why I ha- this is why I hate cr- cricket. I can't really speak anymore, but this is this is why I don't like cricket. Look, every time it just it just disappoints me, like in every aspect of life. But interestingly, the factory oh, act yes, answer sir. is true for some clubs. So churches churches did occupy fo- uh, like young men's time by football. 
So there you go. Oh, well, we're learning as well, and that's the important thing. Yes, yeah, Sam, I'm watching the English game on Netflix, oh, really? and they talk about that stuff, so you're right about it. Yeah, very interesting show. Yeah. Anyway. Next question. Question right. three. Which football event was held at Crystal Palace from 1885 <laughs> till the outbreak of World War One? I don't know what's wrong with these answers. Uh, the annual international game, which is Scotland versus England, the English Football League title, the FA Cup, or the FA Community Shield? I'm so confident. If I get this one wrong as well, I might as well just leave the quiz right now. <laughs> the answer is... <laughs> Why the answer? The FA Cup. The answer, of course, we it all is. Got that one right. Yes, we all we all got <laughs> yeah. that correct. Yes. And can I just say that uh, it's a little unfair because Patrick was there for the eighteen eighty. <laughs> Who told you? Are you ready for question four? Yeah. Sellers yeah. Park was built on the site of a former brickfield, but in which season was it formally opened? 1924 to 25, 1925 to 26, 26 to 27, or 27 to 28? Well, I've gone for it, mm. but I, yeah, that's a tough one. These numbers look nice. At least I got the right <laughs> century for these. <laughs> you did, yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Let's see how, how we oh. did. Oh, oh, only one person got it wrong. Who was that? Oh, it was me, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought 9, 26 and 27 looked nice, you know, like it just thought what well, happened then. But... Just, just to clarify of the options, it was, of course, 1924, 25. It... That's in it. typical Palace we fashion left. again, they lost the first game 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> There's the theme. Okay, theme question indeed. five. We're, we're moving into the newer years of the Palace history. Ooh. Yeah. So on the Great 27th question. of May 2013, Ian Holloway guided Palace to promotion to the Premier League. But how many other clubs has he guided to promotion? One, two, three or four? I think. I'm wait, in my brain here. This no, might be this might be a trick question. He definitely has done. Uh, Does this no, include Palace? No, other. Oh damn! I think I got this right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. was the only one to get that right. It was two clubs. QPR. So Blackpool and which other clubs? QPR. He got them promoted to the championship. I didn't say which league, you see. Yeah. Oh, oh no. I am tricky, oh, aren't I? <laughs> that caught me out. <laughs> so good. Oh, good. No. So am I winning? Uh, right. <laughs> Question six. In the 2015-16 season, Palace reached their first FA Cup final for 26 years. Sadly, it ended in a loss, but in which minute did Jason Punchin score Palace's goal? 74th, 76th, 78th or 80th? Oh, so unfair, yeah, I blocked it. it from my memory. Um, if I get this wrong, I'm going to be so upset. So upset. <laughs> I think I, I know. Yeah. I think I got this, hopefully. I disagree with my answer. Let's see if I was right. Yes. Oh, I was wrong. Yes. Yeah, they got it. No, no, no. Seventy seventh minute. No, no. I thought. No, I thought seventy eight because I was like, I remember there's like twelve minutes or something left, like a oh. short amount of time left to lift the trophy. I, so started, I remember that. I started thinking about that, and I and I swear to God, like I remember someone saying that there was only fourteen minutes left to win the cup. Thank you, me too. I, remember, I thought and twelve. Like, 
12 is in my head. I think it's 12. But if that person was talking about including injury time or something, I don't know. <laughs> but whatever, whatever happened, um, VR somehow it got said, that right, and Patrick and I. It were said wrong. seventy-eight. There's also a the um, there's a bonus Jason Punching question coming up as well for you. Yeah, wait. can't wait. I know it's exciting. Um, the, the, the bonus Jason Punching question is: Punching is renowned for his set pieces, but which opponents were Crystal were Crystal Palace against for his iconic penalty miss in 2014? Stoke City, it's Manchester like United, Norwich City, or Tottenham Hotspur? How can I forget? It, it was. was I, everyone should get this right. I really want this is something you don't forget. So good. <laughs> My poor punch. <laughs> You're going to write yeah, there is. Spurs we all correct. in Spurs, January 2014, I think it was. I don't understand how the... Oh, if you answer it quicker, do you get more points? I think it's only the last question that that counts for. Right. This is another long question because I've got to read out numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Palace is the only Premier League side to have an official cheerleading squad. How many views has the Crystals Call Me Maybe 2012 video had at the time of writing? 3,597,112. Um, so, which did you go? So, just to get this clear, it was the three million one hundred fifty nine thousand six hundred and ten, which is just ridiculous. Um, what did you go for, dear? I went for the one million one, one million. Yeah, yes, no, did I. I? I didn't want to go under a million because I felt like there's enough ridiculous human beings in the world that they, it would be above a million, but upsetting. So, our upsetting. biggest success as a club is due to the to the crystals. <laughs> yeah, lip syncing to to us all. Good, good times. Uh, yeah. Okay, question nine. We're getting there. We're getting there. In the last 30 years, one player has taken the top, the spot of top scorer for Crystal Palace in a total of six seasons. Name the player. Clinton Morrison, Chris Armstrong, Andy Johnson or Christian Benteke? All day that one, that's easy. Great question, by the way. It was a very, very good question. I, I mean, I answered it within the sort of the, probably the second word. Oh, I've done that. I'm just saying that just do, 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 do. Oh, oh, someone got it wrong, didn't they? Was that you, I DR, going for yeah, it? Okay? It wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick and I getting that right. Yeah. How how long do you think that AJ played for us? I don't even know. I've got well, a headache. I've told you this before I started this. <laughs> there are too many numbers. I saw thirty and I saw six, and I just I I got lost. <laughs> It was, uh, it was two spells, though, wasn't it, Clint? And he saw, did, I think he did three, came, uh, was it four, came back, did two or three? So came back, the three. seasons he was the top scorer in. and 0708. There must be another one in there as well. This was taken from the Crystal Palace quiz, no less. Mm, nice. Right. Question 10, so we're into the, the bonus questions. As if they haven't all been bonus questions, obviously. 
Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> Despite having been relegated from the top flight on four occasions and not finishing above 10th in the Premier League, Crystal Palace are in the top 10 when it comes to away form since the league started in 1992. But what win percentage sees them take the 10th spot? 18%, 21.7, 23 or 26.2? Hey, it's a tricky question because you're thinking, do they go in point decimals in terms of the percentages? Uh, they didn't. Oh. <laughs> so, you got that one, Patrick, didn't you? Yes, I did. 23% was the correct answer. Theo and I going for 21.7 and yeah. now hating Sam for going into decimals. I love Sam. <laughs> well, you know, I'm an acquired taste. Um, so... <laughs> so Crystal Palace have averaged 1.09 points per game away from home, uh, but the less said about the home record, the better. Also featuring in the top 10 are Aston Villa, Blackburn Rovers, Leeds United, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United, who took the top spot for away form. That's impressive. There's some, there's some big teams there. Mm. Mm, yeah, there are, yeah. yeah, yeah All right. Final question. Uh, leaders update, please, Sam. I don't understand this points I mean, like, totals. Well, yeah, I, really I mean, at the well. moment, at the moment, less. I mean, it is it's incredibly tight, other than DR at the bottom. <laughs> I don't exactly understand. It, I was like one point <laughs> below you like two rounds ago. So how so, about in the, what? It, 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 you do get extra points for answering quickly and things like that. So at the moment, uh, in third place, uh, clinging on to the bronze medal, DR Kerner's on twenty-eight points. In the second place, that silver medal there, Patrick, it's 37 points. Correct. And uh, yeah, and yours truly, 39 points. So Only two points, my friend. This is very, it. very tight. And I can see this uh, a bit changing massively. Um, not so massively that DR is involved, but changing massively <laughs> in this last question. Cause, and especially with Sam, because the last question is going to be a car. <laughs> let's, let's yeah. Crack on. Thank you. Roy Hodgson became the oldest manager in the Premier League history on the 23rd of February 2019 when Crystal Palace faced Leicester at the King Power Stadium. He was at the age of 71 years and 198 days old, but who held the title until then? Alex Ferguson, Bobby Robson, Claudio Ranieri or Neil Warnock? I feel like this is so wrong, but I feel like this was tricky. I clicked and then changed my mind and I couldn't change it. Oh. oh, that's upsetting. Nobody got right. it right. See, I went for Ferguson. Um, the, the other two gents went for Warnock, who, of course, is fractionally younger than Roy Hodgson and was managing at the same time. So I knew it couldn't have been Warnock. Um, but I was as soon as I clicked Ferguson, I knew it was Bobby yep. Robson. It was um, brutal. And he was a mere 71 years and 192 days old. Great manager. Yep. So that's it. That's the quiz. Let's do. Who, who won? Do the winners. Who, who won? <laughs> In the top spot. Congratulations. Or maybe we should start at the third. Well, it didn't really change, did it? Yeah. Because you bottom. all got it wrong. So. Correct. Yeah. So everyone knows already. Yeah. The drama's gone out of it. So DR came in third with twenty-eight points. Patrick, a respectable second with thirty-seven points. But Hambo, in the lead, thirty-nine. So you Once you've again. won two out of two of my quizzes now. I have, so you can continue quizzing until no. it goes wrong, and I can blame <laughs> no, you. Thank you. 
I want to get some reaction from the from the competitors just before before we um close the quiz. Um, Dr, how do you feel it went for you? Because um, you know, strictly speaking, you probably would have expected to do far worse. No, 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 no. I expected to do better in a way because I was a couple points below you, so I don't understand how two questions made me drop how many points. It makes no sense, and I feel like this applications are one of the worst ones out there no thank you sam i'm not doing this again <laughs> what it is is the trouble is it's your thinking time isn't it because you're thinking about i don't know but i didn't know that i didn't know that though i was not told this beforehand so if that was the case i would answer quickly so yeah but you've got to be in the moment haven't you it shouldn't matter you want I to feel answer like as quick this, as you can this shouldn't count this round shouldn't count and <laughs> until i next play that's when it counts right now that was a warm-up round because i don't know how this thing works so right well, Patrick, Dr's gone for the child approach to the quiz. How are you feeling? I thought it was a great quiz. Um, I love the questions. Some of them are very tricky. You've got to think them out. And Dr didn't answer the right question until after he saw his point total at twenty eight. He didn't. He went like four in a row with zero answers correct. So I don't know what he's complaining about. So I'm taking the high road. Sam, great job, Hambo. Congratulations again. Thanks. Let's move Thanks. on. It was great. Brilliant. Well, that was that. <laughs> Is that a good way to end it? Yes. <laughs> and you'll you'll be bringing us more of that in the near future, hey Sam? Sure, sure. If I can think up a theme. Well, we've done history, we've done movies, um, so there's an infinite amount out there, isn't there? Music and palace. Ooh. 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 I mean, I did get Ash into the one last week, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you very much indeed. Right, uh, yes, victorious once again. So thank you very much indeed for listening. Thank you to Mikey for producing, to Dia and Patrick for being with me today. And of course, the uh, preview show did take a, a week off. This week just gone, but they will be back uh, this coming week at some point. And we shall return on Sunday. Until then, cheerio. Back of the chest. Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.